What is up, Baton Rouge, and welcome back to the Tiger Pride Podcast presented by 225 Magazine. I'm Mark Clements here, as always, with the one and only Jarrett Roser of TigerDetails.com. In a little bit of a better mood this week, um, LSU I, actually got a win. Yes. Uh, I mean, they didn't, they didn't, the offense didn't play that much better. I take Blue Store over Oof. that win. I still never got my Blue Store last week. I don't, I, I'm very upset about it. I can't wait for the sponsorship deal I'm getting. <laughs> it's free chicken for life. Um, LSU pulls off a short one, twenty four seventeen win against a garbage can emoji Arkansas team. Another week, another struggle uh, offensively from LSU. Really, this game, I guess it could have been a little bit of a better score line had Nick Brissett not fallen on the ground two times at the goal line. Um, yeah, but Nick. Reply to my Venmo request, man. <laughs> Did he? Is that a bad beat for you? <laughs> oh no, I I I didn't bet that, but mm-hmm. he apparently got Venmo requests from people by the time he got to his phone after the game, <laughs> which is absolutely absurd. Leave that dude alone, man. I mean, okay, let's just, let's just start there because this is not going to be a super interesting week of football with that game having just happened and the Rice game, a one in ten, whatever, what, what, one in yeah, one in ten Rice game on the horizon, but. Um, Let's look, yeah, let's go there. Do you, was it the right call for him to for him to drop down and just burn the clock? Um, if they had been up by more than one score, then I say definitely mm-hmm. you you get down on the turf and run out the clock. In that situation, I think the right call is probably, from my perspective, to go into the end zone, put yourself up fourteen points with not a lot of time left because up only one score as much as you are in control of that game you open the door a little bit for snap mishaps right and so it's and it's not like you're in a situation where you're going to put yourself at risk of fumbling the ball by going the extra yardage to to go in on that play because he I mean he had it easily walking in but I could see that case being made either way whether to go down and kneel or to to run in for the touchdown What's confusing to me is that they then run two more plays. Yeah. He doesn't go into the end zone again on the next down when <laughs> and he they could try have, a third time. and then they try a third time, and that's where all the confusion comes in. Because if you're gonna if you're gonna be running plays, run Tim. into the end zone. If you're gonna kneel, kneel. kneel. Yeah, just pick one. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I think. I don't know if there was some kind of disconnect or whatever. Okay, so I mean, just to backtrack, this is some kind of something. This is one of the weirder ends to a victory that yeah, I've seen. Yeah, no doubt. Just it's to backtrack a little bit. What's the funny thing is people are getting so heated about this. We're literally debating two of the most outlandish scenarios for either in scenario number one, people are saying, "Oh, you know, Nick could fumble, then they drive ninety something yards and score on LSU's defense, which was pretty pretty dominant for most of the day." That's scenario one. Scenario two was LSU scores. Arkansas somehow gets two touchdowns, a touchdown onside kick, touchdown to tie it up. Either way, LSU is in pretty good, pretty good spot to to win the game. Uh, if you're looking at it on paper, I I guess the technically correct thing was to go down. I mean, if they Arkansas can't score if you have the ball, but I mean, like you said, you risk the that you risk fumbling. But I I don't know. But if you want to hang on to the ball and run the clock, just kneel, yeah, just kneel, yeah. kneel. After the first one where he went down, I was like, "All right, smart play." And then you know, you get you get into victory, and you just and you finish it. Then they ran it again, and he fell again. Then they tried to punch it in and got tackled, and then you just and then they they knelt it finally after that. 
But yeah, I mean, that was just that. Yeah, was weird. I totally agree. If you're gonna make, if you're gonna run a play, yeah, go to the end zone. If you're not gonna run a play, my my biggest it. criticism is anyone giving that dude a hard time because of their own gambling mishaps. Yeah, because just keep that away. That's not his concern. Second biggest criticism is figure out what you want to do and do it there instead of leaving it this weird like mixture of not doing either of the reasonable you could even uh, see burrow look at the sideline and act, it was like oh what, what are we doing are we doing are we yeah. kneeling are we going in like there was it obviously was not was not clear i mean coach o did say both post game and at his monday press conference that that was what nick was supposed to do he, if he had a, a term for it but um and you know what man, if they had kicked a field goal instead of failing on fourth down yep. we would have not questioned what the right decision for Brosset to do there yep. was at all. Um, I think that's that was kind of an interesting point. A couple, a couple weird coaching situations in the second half of that game, or I guess the fourth quarter of that game, that I kind of scratched my head. And you know, it's easy to second guess them, whether now or, I mean, I was second guessing some of those things live, um, and ultimately they won, and and so we move on. But I, I just wonder how much criticism of that team not finishing drives and settling for three was in O's mind at that point because otherwise I don't really understand that. I don't understand it from a numbers game and yep. trying to stretch that lead to an additional possession for Arkansas uh, when you're well within Cole Tracy's range. I, I don't know. That was just kind of a goofy thing too. Especially coming off of last week when the offense, I mean, scored zero and didn't seem to move the ball whatsoever against Bama. You're the one thing we said coming into this game against a really bad Arkansas team was just to get the offense going again, and they did very much not not do that. It was a lot of the same struggles, a lot of the same frustrating offense that LSU fans, you know, I mean, this offense has had its some high moments. I mean, the Georgia game obviously stands out as a really big win. Uh, you see Miami lose again this week. You see Auburn lose again this week, and you kind of look back and think that those wins may not carry as much weight as we thought they did, but... Um, I don't know, man. This is you bring in you bring in Insminger and like he and he says all the right things and you're gonna open the offense up and it's just it's a lot. It looks different. It's not you're not in eye formation with too tight running the ball, but they still their second touchdown drive was a 14 play uh, drive and they ran the ball 13 times. In the, so I mean, is it different? Yeah, but it's the same. It's the same thing, but different. I I don't know. I feel like I'm about to hop back on a very similar soapbox about the whole. <laughs> gamblers leaving Nick alone thing Mm -hmm. because after any situation where there's any criticism of Steve Ensminger everyone comes at Carly McCord on Twitter and it's (laughs) the goofiest thing ever like I feel like we need to get a list together it's her husband's fault of every person who is not doing a great job at their job on a given day and then as soon as that happens we should personally reach out to their cousins or daughter-in-law or whatever the case may be and just give them hell in a public forum because someone associated with them had an off day like what the heck is wrong with people i did not even know carly was getting flack for every single time and it's one of the that is dumbest things that is such a joke but yeah so the back off that soapbox and looking at at the offense the first four possessions of that game they have three of those drives end up being 13 plays for 20 yards, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. And the other is that one play touchdown where 
Justin Jefferson gets off the line well, shakes a dude, and, and he's gone for the 40-yard touchdown. And then you have the long touchdown drive, which was nice, where they just ran it down Arkansas's throats, and that was really nice to see and I think a real important confidence boost for that offensive line and that run game at that moment to run 13 times for 61 yards and yep. then have the one pass play for 16 that set up by play action and the touchdown itself the 12 yard run by Brosset, just the dudes in front of him mauling I thought that was nice and then you go right back to punt fumble punt and you you come back in the third quarter get 10 points stretch the lead out to 24-3 and then kind of fall apart offensively again punt punt uh, turnover on downs on that that fourth down mm-hmm. situation and and then the awkward possession that we <laughs> we just talked about and you know that looking at that drive chart it wouldn't be terrible uh, against a better team like yeah. the drive chart against Florida wasn't great but I thought they played overall pretty well against a team that was <clears throat> was pretty good on on defense but Arkansas is not that team they're not that opponent they lost. 34-27 to Colorado State. They lost 44-17 to North Texas. They gave up 20 to Eastern Illinois. They gave up 37 to Ole Miss. They gave up 45 in a loss a week ago, to, or two weeks ago, to to Vanderbilt, who hasn't had a great year. Mm. So they're, just, they're the type of team that LSU should have been able to come back and have more success against moving the football and, and looking a little bit more inspired, particularly closing out the game, and that just wasn't the case. Yeah, and it's it almost felt like they when they got up 24-3, it was almost a little bit of complacency, and it's, it just felt like, the, I mean, even defensively a little bit, um, just kind of, I don't know, fell asleep a little bit. And I don't know, LSU fans always love to chalk this up to like a post-Bama, it's hard to get up for Arkansas type situation, but this is, I mean... Uh, to me, that's a kind of a garbage excuse. I mean, this is a like you said, Arkansas is not a very good team. They've given up a lot of points to a lot of other people, a lot of other teams, and this was your chance as an LSU offense to go out and and I don't know, and not negate, but bounce back from from your struggles against against Bama and try to get things clicking on the right page because you still have A and M on the horizon and then a bowl game and um, especially with the way the season's going, if some chaos happens up top, you could I mean you're looking at a New Year's Six bowl against a really good a really good opponent, whoever that might be. And your offense, I mean, these are things that we've talked about the entire year that have been deficiencies that they've kind of won despite. I mean, we've, Joe Burrow's stats have not been good all year. They've had O-line issues all year. Besides Justin Jefferson, the receivers have kind of been a little bit spotty. No no number two has really uh, emerged consistently. And these have been, I mean, an ain't 2 record is an ain't 2 record, and you and you give them props, and they've, they've won the games that have uh, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the big games that a lot of people didn't think they were going to win. Um yeah, but, I think that's important too. Yeah, and like so, I mean, you can you can look at two truths in this. Yeah, they've won these big games, and you have to give them credit where it's due. At the same time, the previous coach was fired because the offense was hard to watch and not winning big games, and still getting nine, ten wins a year, but not taking that next step. And we're seeing a lot more of the same. That that felt like a less miles win on on Saturday. It felt like a yeah, just kind of grind it out, take care of business, and yeah, you got the win. It wasn't very pretty, but you you know, but you did it, and that's just what LSU fans are kind of sick of. And I'm not saying this is what's going to last forever. I think Insminger's a, a good play caller and knows a lot of football, but there's still some level of innovation that this offense is just like severely, severely missing. If you give me two truths, do you give me a lie also? Mm. 
Malaya is a good game. Shout out Bumble. <laughs> Shout out Bumble. <laughs> yeah, the girls are doing that these days. I don't know. Uh, um, but yeah, so I hey, you mentioned the defense for the most part being good. I really don't fault them very much down the stretch. It's it's tough when you see the offense come out repeatedly and not look great to continue to defend at the level that that defense has for most of the last few months defended. And then they had some some additional injuries and shake up uh, in the secondary. Yeah. And they, I mean, they went into the game with some a little bit of depth concerns because uh-huh. of some injuries. And then Ty Harris uh, gets a little bit banged up, and so they were dealing with some things. And you saw them kind of pick on Terrence Alexander and get those two touchdowns late. And I, I don't really fault the defense very much in that. And the offense, you know, they continue to have their struggles. I don't think they're as bad as people want to make them out to be after these last couple of weeks. I, I think, to your point, they are the same team that they've been throughout the year, and they continue to have the same issues that we pointed to even despite of those early win- early wins that just kind of got masked a little bit. But at the end of the day – this is a team that people thought was going to win six or seven games, and right now they are 8-2 and two and look very capable of being a 10-2 and two team heading to the Sugar Bowl that in August anyone who wouldn't have taken that yeah. was just kind of silly because they're aiming toward right now pretty much what the ceiling of this season looked to be. Oh, yeah. And I think just the fact that they – continue to be steps behind Alabama and all of the passion about the Alabama rivalry is is in the state of Louisiana. I think that that makes people that much more critical because LSU I I still think Alabama and then a little step behind Clemson and then a big gap and most of the rest of the country and Agreed. I think LSU can beat almost anybody else on almost any given day they're just a little bit behind those two elite teams in the country. And that's, I mean, that's a credit to how good the defense is, but also to say the offense isn't maybe as bad as people expect. And and the team as a whole is still a pretty solid football team. Uh, It's just pretty obvious what their flaws are. Yeah. And I guess everyone is talking about the offense this week, and rightfully so. Um, So let's kind of go into that just a little bit, just for the numbers for last week real quick. Joe Burrow was 15 of 21 for 195 with a touchdown. Uh, Brosette carried the ball 23 times for 90 and a touchdown. Clyde followed with 17 for 56 and a touchdown. And the only receiver that was really of note was Justin Jefferson yet again. Um, six, six catches for 117 and that 40-yard touchdown. That was really nice. Um, so the, Okay, so the, there's been so many fingers pointed all over the place, whether it's the O-line not giving him a lot of protection or not blocking – um, uh, I mentioned the second receiver. You've, we've seen flashes of D. Anderson and flashes of Jamar Chase, and occasionally Terrace Marshall. They, there's no number seven anymore, so I guess I guess Giles is out of the picture. Um, you better be careful with those punt returns. He's going to be even more out of the picture. Yeah, some point in the finger at Joe Burrow. He holds the ball too long. Doesn't sense the pressure sometimes. And a lot of people point the finger at Stevens Minger. If you had to just kind of pinpoint what the the biggest concern for you offensively and then like you know taking steps to how do you fix that how do you fix that what would be the first thing first place you look offensively to me I think my biggest concern is the line still that was my biggest concern in July and August and it remains my biggest concern I think you can always get better no matter how good you are in a given area and so I think 
and I, you know, I think even if you have one particular struggle on one side of the ball, you still want to continue to improve in other areas and, and help that too. And so I think Joe Burrow's got to continue to get better. He's got to get rid of the ball quickly. Sometimes that comes back to the play calling and them only having two receivers out there and some long developing routes and mm-hmm. a lot of coverage for them to deal with. And some of that comes back to the offensive line having troubles and them having to go into more max protect than they necessarily would have liked. And so it all kind of feeds off of one another. I usually, for an offense, look at the offensive line as as kind of the the first piece to me, even a lot of times before before the quarterback. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I think the quarterback – stands to uh could stand to improve i think some of those other receivers can do a better job with their consistency both in route running and not dropping balls because we've seen that be an issue throughout the season um the running backs kind of are who they are they if they were elite guys like leonard fournette jeremy hill and company that Mm -hmm. helps mask a lot of those deficiencies elsewhere too but i think they've all in all had a pretty nice season um it's it's just a little bit easier when they're that much more dynamic right. playmakers and so I think you just look for all around improvement and then play calling gets that much trickier when you have to mask flaws rather than be able to worry about you and go out and do what you want to do and really kind of attack people more when you have to constantly have in the back of your mind alright we can't protect our our quarterback and our quarterback might hold on to the ball a little bit too long so what do I do here and so that makes things that much trickier for Ensminger uh, but to your point, where do I start? I start up front. I could not agree more. I think the the games you've seen LSU struggle are when people bring pressure. And, and I mean, honestly, whenever Joe Burrow has a little bit of time to throw, he makes really good decisions and he makes some some pretty good passes for the for the most part. I think a lot of the times that the offense has been struggling is whenever he doesn't have time um, or he's forced to <clears throat> move out of the pocket a little sooner than he'd like or I think a lot of times he does I mean he's admitted that he's held the ball a little bit too long but I mean I totally agree it all starts up front it all starts with with the big guys trying to make some some time and I don't even think they've been aside from the Bama game which I'm not going to fault him for quite as much right now but but aside from the Bama game they've they've ran the they've run block pretty well they've ran the ball well in just about every game um the good news is Cardell Thomas is on the way and he guaranteed uh, that they're going to beat Bama all his years here. My guy. Love Cardell. I appreciate the enthusiasm, and I think that's the attitude that you need to have. I don't know that it needs to be put out there on Twitter in the the final moments of the, the Bama loss. Mark my words, he says. I just... I don't know. I, again, I think that's the attitude that he needs to have and that I think it's great for him amongst the leaders of this class to have. And I think that attitude is one that a lot of the guys in this class have, and I think that's going to be something that fans really like about this 2019 class as it continues to come together. I just I think in 2018 we have hit a point where we we have a really poor – ability to discern what's a great internal attitude and how to lead the team from within and what needs to be tweeted out in 280 yeah. characters or less um and that's that's not just cardell that's not just recruits that's just people i don't yeah i, I brought up cardell mainly to, to say i think the solution can i mean maybe not the one-year solution but to 
I mean, Coach O said it to recruit some of these some of these linemen, and <clears throat> I mean, I know we, a lot they've of people, got a lot of offensive linemen lined up right yeah, now. Yeah, that's all. Just looking at, it. I mean, Cardell, the five star, one of the best, if not the best. I think he's rated as the best guard in the country. And then you have um, four stars and Ray Tackle, uh, Ray Tackle, Ray Parker, who is a tackle, and Anthony Bradford, both four stars. Thomas Perry is a tackle from Turlings, um, another big recruit, and then a center, Charles Turner. There's there's a lot of guys they have already committed, and I know there's probably a few more they're going after. Um, but that's I mean that's like you mentioned the mindset that's going to have to be the the they're going to have to go after these elite offensive linemen. I think they're always going to have enough skill guys to be I mean, year in and year out. You see four and five star receivers, running backs committed to LSU. I think they're always going to have the the weapons. I think they have to make a conscious effort to get some of these elite O linemen to kind of change the, the change the culture and and win those big battles in the trenches against the the Bamas of the world. Was uh. Did you pull up that Cardell Thomas tweet to be your lie? Because they're not beating Bama <laughs> next year. With all, I'll take that as my lie. With all due respect. And I think when you look at this offensive line and the guys that are there right now that will be back next season, mm-hmm. I think that's something to be kind of encouraged about. You know after getting beat up all fall and just criticize that those guys will go to work and come back better in 2019 and that that should be a much improved group with – the amount that they return. Um, I, mean, if, I just I look at the difficulty of beating Bama right now, and if they didn't get it done this year, and now you go into next year with everything that Bama has coming back and being in Tuscaloosa, I have a difficult time saying, all right, well, they're going to go beat a junior year to uh, in Tuscaloosa. No. So I, yeah, I, no. I think that they're doing a lot. There's a lot of reason to be positive about the direction of the LSU offensive line moving forward, but I don't know about me as a high school senior saying, knowing that I'm probably not going to play a lot next year, say we're going to beat Bama my, all of my years because even if they're on the roster next year, uh, they're going to probably be largely waiting their turn and just filling in, in some gaps. I think Cardell can slide in as a starter for Brumfield. I mean, Brumfield is going to be the only guy, only starter that they're, unless somebody leaves early, Sadiq should be back. But that, the, that, gu- that left guard will be open. The thing is, they've got so many dudes with so much experience that will yeah. be older. And and beyond being older and more game, game experience being huge, but also additional years in uh, Coach Moffitt's mm-hmm. strength and conditioning program. And so Sadiq's back. Lloyd Cushenberry's back. Damian Lewis should be back, yep. I think. And then you have Deculus and Adrian McGee and uh, – Adora Traore back, Chasen Hines back, who has Jason shown Hines, pretty big, call. F- big flashes. Maybe Ingram, as if, a guard. depending on what exactly. unfolds there. You wait to see what happens with Ed Ingram. And that's something, too, as, as good as this line would be, even if they don't get Ed Ingram back, he's not out of the picture. And so if you end up with probably the top NFL prospect in most of the minds coming into this year amongst that offensive line group, back into the mix with all those dudes a, yep. year, a year older and better, it could be – you know, there's reason to believe it could actually be a strength. It'd certainly be well, uh, much improved. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I I think there's an opportunity for some of these 2019 signees to play, but it's going to be more a matter of them providing depth to right. what should be a pretty good group. The good thing is, there, like you said, there is reason for optimism. And I think when you look as a whole offensively, the number of pieces that are coming back, you, you really are not losing a ton on offense. So, I know the offense has not been great this year, but if you think about 
year two under Ingen McGuire because I don't I don't think they they're going to move on for him and, and have whether it be the fifth OC in five years or something like that. I don't yeah. think they take that uh, take that plunge right now. But uh, you get all the pieces back in another year uh, in that offense. Joe Burrow can have a little more time to. I mean, he was only here for a month or so before yeah. the season started. It's just uh, there's there's a strength in continuity mm-hmm. that people seem to understand when you talk about a group of players playing together longer term, but seem to overlook when it comes to coaching and scheme. And and there is there's something to be said for that. I I don't <coughs> expect that Ensminger is is elsewhere after this season. I don't think that a move gets made, particularly if you finish 10 and 2 and head to a good bowl game, which is yeah. quite possible. Even if you finish 9 and 3 and head to a pretty good bowl game, they've had an overall good season. And for all the criticism, I think you look at another year of Ensminger, Joe Burrow and company all working together as uh just kind of a natural progression and improvement on its own. Yeah, and you get just about every receiver back. You all have the turnover with uh, Nick Brissett being gone. There's a couple, I mean, besides Clyde still being there and Chris Curry, who's going to take a red shirt this year, a couple other four- and five-star running backs either committed or high, highly targeted by LSU that could come in and maybe not start but make a, a big impact in that backfield. We're going to see more of an impact from the freshman running backs next year than we did this year. I, I'll go out on a limb right now in November 2018 and tell you that, and that's not – that's not to say that as a knock at Chris Curry still figuring some things out, but uh, the the guys that are going to end up on that roster are are going to uh, make impacts right away. That's going to be exciting to watch. I think there is reason to to be confident in the offense next year. I think you do obviously have to make some changes and progress a little bit, but I think there it's not without hope. There's there's a lot of reasons to to be excited about this offense in the future, but there's still a couple more games to be played. And I'm not going to forget players of the week this time. Nice. But I will let you go first, sir, offensively. Oh, you're going to let me go first on offense? Yeah. Uh, Is there only one answer? Justin Jets Jefferson (laughs) with career highs of six catches, 117 yards, and one touchdown. You saw LSU digital media reporter, I think is his title now, Cody Warsham. I was going to bring that up. Pointing out the similarities between uh, J. Jeff's sophomore stats and – Odell Beckham Jr.'s sophomore stats and Justin actually kind of outpacing Odell for the most part, um, which is interesting to think about long term. Mm-hmm. But he had a a really nice game and showed off a lot of uh, a lot of that ability that that we talked about before the season. And as much as there were some kind of ups and downs in terms of his statistical production in those first few weeks, three of his last four games have been pretty strong he went over 100 yards in two of those last four and then he had I believe it was 81 against Alabama uh, you know had one of the better performances of an offensive player against Alabama I thought you were going to bring up the tweet about uh, some of his high school film when he's going one-on-ones at camps that something oh, that you yeah, yeah. that you brought up before the season started about how he's kind of sneaky fast uh, but yeah. some of those some of those high school clips were cool to see <laughs> yeah Phil Felt bad for Todd Harris yeah. a little bit to see that one get brought back up a couple times. But his uh, – Jets is – they call him Jets, and that would make you think he's got this great uh, straight-line speed. And, he, you know, he's not – I wouldn't say he's super slow. But no. I, I think what 
really allows him to excel more is that quickness of foot and his his footwork and you see you see that in some of those videos that went out you saw him get open on that 40 yard touchdown and if you watch him you see a lot of that that's that's why his numbers are where they are he's the dude that's open and then he's had some of the surest hands of that group this year too to make good on the uh make good on the reception and help joe and company move the ball downfield but he's i mean he's been doing that he's been that dude that can just make defenders look kind of silly off the line or out of a break and uh and we've seen a lot of it and it's kind of scary to think about you know scary for defenses to think about where he could get as he continues to improve on those things yeah and he's a some i mean coach o talked about him a lot in the offseason but to LSU fans probably somewhat of a surprise that he's been as good as he's been just with all the hype around Jonathan Giles and you see these just massive bodies and you, know, you get the five-star Jamar Chase and um, Terrace Marshall and you see these big body D Anderson type dudes and for Justin to be that far ahead as your number one receiver maybe a little surprising but really good to see offensively um, I'll take Nick Brissett uh, as my as player of the game I think Justin's probably the, the my lean but like I said doing, doing it different um, 23 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown. And, I mean, another guy who, <clears throat> speaking of surprises, I think a lot of people were questioning how good this running back uh, or the, the backfield was going to be as a whole. And really Nick and Clyde have both stepped up a lot this year and been consistent and really answered any any questions that we or other uh, LSU fans had had, had regarding the all the running backs. And coming off of, like you mentioned, the Darius, Leonard, Jeremy Hill years, um, he's not quite ability-wise where they, those guys are, but those are some special backs. And Yeah, and that's, that's fine. Those are just special. I'm not as good of a running back as them either, and I feel good about myself. I think I'm, I think I'm up there, but you know, I, hung, I hung up my cleats a little too early. If I saw some eligibility left, you never know. I would, I would watch <laughs> the hell out of that. Uh, but, yeah, but Nick, Nick's been solid. Another pretty good outing. and um, He could have he stat padded and got in there for another TD, but he said, you know what? Doing it for the team. Decent running back, better dude. But yeah, great dude, awesome dude. Um, defensively, I'll go first and say, oh, carry. Oh man, I know that one-handed cat. Oh, uh, the one-handed, one-handed pig snag, as we call it. Uh, INT uh, finished with three tackles. Also had a sack, a tackle for loss. Um, good to see him get back on the board with the interceptions. I know you mentioned earlier, kind of the injuries that were going around in the secondary. We saw uh, Christian Fulton go out for a bit and I think he's gonna probably gonna miss this week as well Todd Harris John Battle didn't play so you the secondary was just getting kind of thin um and Kerry had what, probably his best game of his LSU career oh yeah Kerry um, was real good he was all over the place and it was it's good to see I mean everyone knows about Grant Delpit and uh Greedy Williams so it's good to see Kerry get some love out there too yeah Kerry is when we talk about everything that that offense will have coming back next year really the only concerns you have in terms of what you're losing are those standouts at each level of the defense mm-hmm. and carries a guy that gives you reason to feel uh, a little less stressed about losing a Greedy Williams or John Battle the way he's come on and he had absolutely the best game of his career thus far uh, up at Arkansas with everything that he did and to see guys like him and Kelvin Joseph in some spots in the second half where he was called upon to to step up and and kind of answer the call more often than not um that's a reason to be positive I 
I completely agree that Kerry's the guy, but as far as picking another player, I mean, I think if you can't pick if you can't pick a guy like Kerry, that it's always a pretty safe bet to go with Grant Delpit. Yeah. Uh, I think he's we started calling it the Devin the like weekly Devin White defensive yeah. player of the year award last year and I think at that point at this point now it's become the weekly Grant Delpit award uh, not because Devin hasn't continued to be really good but because Grant's just been out of this world and so for him to have another six tackles another sack two breakups and really kind of be all over the place I think he's a a pretty solid pick as well and you know, nice, nice game by Mike Divinity, who's who's come on yeah. strong in the second half of the season too. I think he was Mike Divinity was my guy that was going to be sort of my breakout player of the year. That, that may be one of the few predictions from the preseason that I might be might be accurate. But we're going to get there after the after the regular season. Uh, LSU moves on this week to play Rice. They are one in ten. They are as many garbage can emojis as you can fit in a tweet. Uh, they beat Prairie View in week one and have since rattled off ten straight losses. Not good. Not not a good football team. It, the spread at, at this point is like forty four points, I think. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't know if LSU's going to cover that. They've given up forty points, and I think six of their ten of uh, their eleven games so far. Um, so not not a not a good defense. Offense is led by Sean Stankonia. <laughs> like the album? I wish it was. It's actually Sean Stankavage. Mm. Um, he's their quarterback. He's completing 56% of his passes at a little over 1,200 yards, 10 TDs, 10 picks. Oh, boy. I, we don't need to spend a lot of time breaking down this game. This is just going to be one of those. Like, the biggest thing LSU, that I'm looking for. LSU hasn't scored 44 points in his last three games combined. I'm not saying they're going to get to 44 this week. I don't think I don't think that. They're probably going to get mid-30s and then just call it a day. Um, I'm really – curious to see if some of these freshmen who were already eligible for the red shirts like i mean miles brennan being the the biggest one yeah if LSU can get a big enough cushion to get those guys some legitimate reps not it's a good storyline to watch. not just not just hand the ball off a couple of times but i'd love to see miles get a i don't know a couple of throws in maybe if you can play the whole fourth quarter or something I, but for that to happen the offense has got to pick it up a little bit but i mean rice is just rice is terrible this, yeah. should, this shouldn't be a this i like be rice issue. oh the football team my bad um so I think you absolutely, after you know not scoring a combined forty-four points the last three yeah. ball games, you want to see the offense come out and look uh, competent <laughs> for starters, and then beyond that, be effective, efficient. Those two mm-hmm. e words I like to use a lot because that Texas A&M game in a week is going to be a make or break for how this season's looked at, fair or not, because I think even if they finish 9-3, and three, it ends up looking like a pretty good season Agreed. retrospect. It's just it's going to take a lot of criticism in the moment if they, if they lose that game. But I think after the way those past few games have gone for you offensively, you really need to shake back and make sure that you're feeling a little bit better about yourself and feeling crisp heading to College Station in a week. And so I, I want to see how Joe Burrow and company come out they need to be they need to look that dominant part against a team that they absolutely should outmatch and there shouldn't be any any room for criticism they got to make it a no doubter meanwhile i can't wait to see what the defense does to stanconia i i think they are going to invade the 
the backfield of the Rice Isles and just make things kind of ugly in that regard. If if LSU gets to 44 points, I think a lot of that might be like a, a pick six or a fumble recovery. Yeah. Just, you know. Or a Giles punt return touchdown? I do not think that. Oh. No, I just, you know, if he, honestly, I'm trying somebody else back there, at least in some spots this week. I would too. Because it's been an adventure all year long. Adventure is one way to put it. And they kept kind of talking about, you know, trusting his sure handedness back there, even though he wasn't giving you a lot of, you know, plus production. They just, they trusted he wasn't going to mess it up. And that became an issue in yeah. Arkansas. And sure, it was cold and all of those things, but he hasn't been giving you a whole lot on the positive end of the spectrum at that spot. And so if you're going to try something else going into that A&M game and then ultimately a bowl game, trying against the garbage can Rice Isles is, is probably a time to at least give another another guy a couple looks. Shout out John Trey Kirkland. I don't think um, Stankonia is going to be so fresh and so clean at the end of the game. Are we gonna, are we gonna do this? <laughs> no, we're not gonna do um, it. We're not gonna do that. Um, yeah, but that was a good one. I like that. Um, 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 yeah. Uh, so the two questions that, that we have regarding this game, in terms of score predictions, is number one, will LSU break forty? Number two, will Rice get on the board at all? Ooh. Okay. I mean, I will, we we can do an old fashioned score prediction, but I, I, those are the two things that I would. Can LSU get into the forties? Rice has been shut out. Uh, I think those are two really good questions. Once this year by UAB, 42-0 loss, and then UTSA held them to three points. Um, UTSA having kind of a rough year, too. I, yeah, yeah. Um, love Frank Wilson over there, but yeah, not, a little rough year. So two, as those you get into the 40s, does Rice score a point? I think those are two really good questions. And I think a lot of a lot of my answers to them kind of kind of depend on the opposite sides of the ball than what mm-hmm. the the primary um, factor. So in terms of Rice scoring, you obviously look at LSU's defense first and say, can they shut them out? But I really wonder if Joe Burrow fumbles a ball away in a bad spot and suddenly Rice has three points off of something easy. And on the flip side, LSU scoring forty. I'm inclined to say they maybe come up a little bit short on that, except for I think the LSU defense can probably set up LSU's offense either yeah. getting straight into the end zone themselves or giving them some pretty short fields. I'm going to say LSU finds a way to break 40, Ooh. but gives up some sort of cheap points at some point and does not get the shutout. I was hoping I wouldn't agree, but I, I agree on both points. I don't know if they hit 44 my prediction is going to be like in the forty-two range. I think they'll break forty, not not by much, but I think they'll, I think they'll get there. So you you think definitely forty-two, but no shot at forty-four. No, is not, what not, not a chance, <laughs> not a chance. No, I'll say I'll say um, uh, I'll say forty-two to six. Forty-two to six, Tigers. That's good. Do I need to pick like a specific thing too? Mm-hmm. I'll say. Yeah, you got to. I'm holding you to it. Feet um, to the fire. I'll say forty. One to three. I was going to say forty-one to seven. Just go off by one <laughs> point each. But, um, and then real quick before we close, uh, it's basketball season starting to heat up, and since this podcast isn't going to be a ton of look at the Rice Owls, um, just wanted to get a quick your just your thoughts on this team so far. I've um, been to the first two games, and this is the first thing I tweeted this last Friday when I was covering the game. But this this 
when the guys are coming out on the floor, they, they just look like an LSU team. It's not looked in a long time. It's the dudes they have, and then they're throwing up like through the leg dunks, like off the backboard reverses, like in the, just in warm up, just like casually throwing these things down. Nas Reed is a freak. Tremont Waters is one of the best point guards in the country. And then you have, <clears throat> I mean, Emmett Williams is, I think Will Wade said it best when he said some of these rebounds he's snagging. He's the only guy in the gym who could who could get them. And I agree with that. He's just got these long arms. He listed at 6'6". He feels a lot bigger than that. But this team is just fun to watch. And a lot of times the basketball they're playing offensively is just, Always, I mean, I'm a big soccer guy, so I love the you know the beautiful game and watching how it all unfolds. And the, some of the basketball they're playing and the movement and the passes are are fun to watch. This is going to be an exciting year. I, I don't obviously way too early to put expectations down about you know Sweet 16 or bust type thing, but all I know is this team has got some dudes on it and a lot of dudes who can just take over a game at any point, whether it's Nas, uh, Tremont. Um, I mean, God, man, even like Skyler has some runs every now and then where he just gets to the rim and can't really be stopped. Uh, this team's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Did it, can we check? Do we have like a, a stat guy to check how many times you said dudes in there? Um, <laughs> Was it too many? They got dudes, dude. <laughs> they look good, man. Um, I think when you look at the three-point shooting of these teams that, you know, with all due respect to – to both Southeastern and UNC Greensboro because they're not bad teams, but they're certainly l- less good than LSU should be right now. They're, I, I just I worry about saying inferior to make it sound like I'm really knocking them that hard. But the way they shot the ball on the perimeter and got looks on the perimeter, you know Will Wade has spent the last several days, and we obviously we're recording this on Monday, so it's before the Memphis game. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes focused on we're going to have to defend better on the perimeter and close those gaps and get ha- get more hands in more faces by the time we get to SEC play. Uh, I'm interested to see how that goes. They probably turned the ball over more than they necessarily would have liked against uh, Greensboro, lost the turnover battle in that game. And so there's still some things that you want to clean up, but this early in the season against those type of opponents, you're also still kind of trying some things, figuring some, some things out. Um both scheme-wise as well as there's a lot of fresh faces on this team, mm-hmm. and so you're kind of adjusting to one another still too. As much time as you've spent together on the practice court, it's a little bit different when another university is uh, in the building. So I, I've i been really impressed with the dudes they have, <laughs> and I, I think it's going to be fun to watch them uh, in you know with another year for some of those guys under Will Wade's belt and, and now that – that big boost in talent level. I think they're going to be a lot of fun to watch and really get after some people. Um, but I'm not not Denny Green crowning them at the moment. We'll uh, we'll see. I, I do think they're going to be better than a lot of the preseason um, expectations in terms of finishing sixth or whatever in the SEC. I, th- I think they're going to be a, a really good basketball team and, and make some noise in March. It's going to be really interesting to see uh, what happens when they get into SEC play and have. I mean, there's a SEC's gotten much better at basketball the last Tennessee is up in the top 10. Kentucky's right there. Mississippi State's really good. Auburn's obviously really good after their season last year. This conference play is going to be a lot tougher this year than it has been. And LSU is also one of these teams on the rise. Um, I also tweeted something like you like you mentioned with all the fresh faces and only year two under Will Wade, and he's kind of just turning things over, um, you know, with under his leadership. But 
once they knock some of the rust off that they have with this team, uh, I'm just I'm excited to see where that from the two games we've seen so far to where they are. Like you mentioned, come March when they're ideally clicking on all cylinders and some of these dudes, <laughs> dudes, you can't help yourself. I can't help myself. Um, Catholic high. Some of these guys, some of these players are learning to, learning to play together a little bit more. Uh, I'm I'm just excited to see what the future holds, and it's, it's mainly just fun to have relevant basketball again in Baton Rouge because we haven't had that in in quite some time soccer won the sec gymnastics look at that dude baseball is going to be real good could baseball football and basketball all finish in the top 15 10 it's in baseball football and basketball basketball probably the biggest question to finish top 10 but reasonable to finish in the top 15 top 10 would be incredible for this basketball that seems like a stretch but i think yeah not because they won't be good but just looking at college basketball in the landscape Duke looks like a bunch of monsters. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, uh, Tiger details. Anything? Uh, anything you want to you want to pimp out a little, real quick? Um, I work for them, so they got that going, which is nice. <laughs> That's a pro. Sam's continuing to do a great job keeping up with uh, some of some of these recruiting situations unfolding. Uh, I think kind of the most notable thing to look at right now, obviously, is basketball season starting. Um, and just some of the other things going on in addition to what's happening with the football team. Because as, as we've mentioned, it's, it's a little bit of a slow week uh, in terms of the 2018 LSU football Tigers at the moment. Um, but right now it's, it's a lot of the same other than starting to branch out into some of these other sports and keeping mm-hmm. up with, again, just another week closer. That December 19th early signing day is going to be here swiftly. DeAndre Swiftly. Sorry. I don't think he's coming. No? That's a bummer. I think the biggest thing Tiger Details has going forward is some of these uh, some of these stringers you have working for you. Just some really quality writing. Yeah, I don't know. The- like the, that, uh, that basketball game against UNC Greensboro was kind of tough sledding. Um, I don't know. I don't know where that guy got his high school education. but Calic High! Yeah. Appreciate you filling in so I could go watch some of these uh, – high school stars including you know we had a chance to go catch a couple big LSU targets and Jalen Cook and Brian Thomas at Walker as well as that whole Hanville story with Andrew Robeson back uh, and it sets up for fans here in Baton Rouge uh, Zachary High defending mm-hmm. champion Zachary High now has to head down to Hanville in round two for a rematch of the 5A state championship last year uh, it's you know it's it's going to be an interesting matchup Broncos and Tigers. I know you love getting out there to the to the prep games, and I'd love me some good Friday night football. But I did thoroughly enjoy being in the warm confines of the PMAC as opposed oh. to out in the. I saw you had several layers on and the sidelines in that in that high school game. So I love it, man. I love that that crisp air out there watching some football. <laughs> Got your hand warmers in your pocket so that you can still tweet appropriately. It's that's what it's about, man. There you go. Make sure you follow him for all your all your updates. He's gonna weather uh, any any storms as long as it doesn't rain. Mm-hmm. I don't I do not like rain. No. Uh, follow Is it gonna rain <laughs> on Friday. Uh, I, I think I think we're right. I think yeah, we're okay. To cover some basketball. Um, follow him on Twitter. He's at Jarrett Roser. I'm at Mark Clements two two five. And again, be sure to follow all the two two five brands as well as TigerDetails.com. That's uh, facebook.com slash 225magazine and on Instagram and Twitter at 225batonrouge. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, go ahead and do that. We'll be back. Mash the subscribe button. Mash it. Smash it. Leave a like, comment. 
And then we'll be back next week after uh, LSU plays this garbage can emoji rice team. And we'll break down that game as well as Texas A&M and what the offseason might hold. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you all next week. Thank you.